Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello there this week, and welcome to the Untitled Film Podcast with Colm and Jonna. What the hell is that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think we broke him. It's, it's a bit early been a that. long day. It's been a long, hot day. I think, no, I, I kind of like just started doing something, and then I accidentally started to go Irish. I it didn't want did to go, go Irish. I didn't want to go Irish, then I tried to pull back and go somewhere else. And Disgusted. Um, I don't know what I ended Disgusting. up Disgusting! I went Scottish there. Yeah, well. Um, but yeah, I am Johnny. And I'm Callum. And welcome to our radio show. Um, the first thing we tend to do in these radio shows is talk about our social media. And Callum, can you tell the boys and girls out in the world about our social media? Yes, indeed. I mean, you can go and find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. It's under Untitled Film Podcast. And if you don't aren't kind of up to this kind of whole newfangled technology 21st century podcasting thing and Spotify uh, leaves you baffled, you can listen to us on YouTube. Hello, mum. And um, yes, under Untitled Film Podcast, one word, we ask questions, we put up stuff, you, you interact with it. We like it. Um, I don't know why I went incredibly inarticulate there. And uh, this week I did put up a question because fairly recently we reviewed Jerry Maguire, which is packed to the brim with attempts at iconic lines. And two of them, of course, went into the lexicon. Uh, Show me the money and you had me at hello. So my question this week is, what is your favourite classic line? Johnny? Mm, good question. Um, Should I give you a little bit of time to think while I do mine? Yeah, do yours. Okay, so during the Jerry Maguire review, I said that it it really wants to be the apartment. It, it, um, Billy Wilder is the filmmaker that they're really trying to ape. The one and Billy Wilder's films were, you know, just had a bunch of them. So one of them would be at the end of. Um, the apartment, um, when he's um, saying to her, Mrs. Golightly, I, I love you. And she looks at him and says, shut up and deal. And it's one of those slightly spiky, it's the romantic comedy line that showed you that you didn't have to be overly sentimental to be a romantic comedy. So rather than her going, I love you too, it was a sweet sort of flirtatious thing. And it became the line. And I think when he did, you had me at hello, Cameron Crowe, I think he was trying to do shut up and deal or the modern equivalent of shut up and deal. And I love that line. Shut up and deal. So, Johnny, have have you had a bit of a think, a bit of a ponder? Yeah, I'm struggling a bit. I think, I'm sure there are others that I like more, but I do quite like the uh, um, he is looking at you, kid. That's a good one. I think it's classic. Or, um, frankly, my dear, I don't give, give a, a damn. damn. I also thought that both of those I was thinking They're very about. good. And the, the clever thing with that one is because time it was made swear words like damn <gasps> he said damn so they had to go frankly my dear don't give a damn 
it really mm. went down on the dam but it for some reason it kind of punctuates it it makes it sound harder for some reason yeah yeah is i Casablanca is a reasonable movie but i don't maybe hold it in mat with massive esteem but there are some good lines in it yes and also um play it again and play not it again sam yeah no, exactly crucially not play it again sam uh, that's uh, no, it's been one of those misquoted lines that people have thought was um you know that was the line but it's actually just play it again Wow. It's also uh, a similar one is The Godfather. Um, I'm going to offer him a deal he can't refuse. It's never said. I'm going to offer him a deal, it's mm. said. But somehow these things get, you know, mixed up and misremembered. And, you know, that that could be an interesting question in the future at some point. Maybe. Maybe. Anywho, on to the next thing, which is the news. Um, Callum, what is your first piece of news this week? Well, I thought that this one might um, be slightly ironic because one of the films that we're going to review today is Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. And now that you've uh, blown out everybody's eardrums, um, <laughs> and it opened on the same week as The Expendables, and The Expendables, banking on boomer nostalgia, absolutely cleaned Scott Pilgrim's clock at the box office, like totally creamed it. And a trailer has just dropped for The Expendables 4. They are talking about bleeding a dead, you know, beating a dead horse. This is a, a dead horse that's just a, just a skeleton by now. It's such a skeleton. Sly Stallone wants as little to do with it as possible. So he's no longer the main character. It's now Jason Statham. A bunch of other old blokes, Dolph Lundgren, but not Terry Crews because Terry Crews got really bullied on the set of the last film. And a bunch of also rands that you like, why are you 50 cents? Why are you in the Expendables? Um, clear, probably as a replacement for Terry Crews. And then right at the bottom, and Sylvester Stallone is probably only going to be in the film for about five minutes. Yeah, well, it is. It's, I, I assume he must be an exec producer on it. And it's like, well, I imagine, I'll have the money yeah, for five minutes. Yeah, I imagine he's back here. And it's his, fr- I mean, he created the franchise. So anytime they make one, I imagine he'll get a story by and characters by credit. So he'll, he'll clean up. Mm. He'll make 10% of the gross profits or something like that. Something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. What about you? What's your news? So it's a bit, bit sad, although I, it does seem like everyone is within reason okay um something that was topical for what we had as a question a couple of weeks ago on the show um obviously making gladiator 2 at the moment in morocco and there's been quite a bad accident on set apparently it's a big about fireball ripped through a part of the set um and it's injured six um uh, crew members um Two of them are now out of hospital. Four are still in hospital being treated for burns. Oh, no. Um, they haven't given too much detail, um, but they they seem to be okay within reason. Um, and they have said that the safety and full medical services team were on site to act quickly. So those who were impacted immediately received the necessary care. They're all in a stable condition um, and continue to receive treatment. The well-being of the cast and crew is of the utmost importance to us and we have strict health and safety procedures in place on all our productions. We'll continue to monitor the situation and uh, taking all necessary precautions as we resume production. But interestingly within that, um, apparently quite a lot of the, the crew, including the um, including the stars, are quite shaken by it. Apparently it was quite a big explosion and it was something must have gone terribly wrong um so yeah i hope that everyone on that set is okay and that um that first off that they're okay and as long as they are all okay that the production gets back on track as soon as possible uh without any other problems let's hope so and then hopefully the speedy recovery of the people that were injured absolutely i nearly did that one as my news piece um but uh, no, my uh, second bit of news is that uh, it's the Tribeca Film Festival. It seems like it wasn't that long ago. It's the Cannes Film Festival. And one of the um, hot debuts is a debut film uh, from Michael Shannon as a filmmaker. So he's uh, directed a film called Eric uh, LaRue, uh, starring uh, Judy Greer and Alexander Skarsgård, speaking of Succession, uh, that we reviewed last week, or if uh, you're in the room with us about five minutes ago. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's been getting, it's one of the big hits of the season. And it's good because Judy Greer is at a point in her career. She was one of those, like, you know, Mr. Character Actor Obsessive. 
every supporting turn Judy Greer would show up. She was the woman. I do really enjoy Judy She's Greer. great. But I think she's at the point now because um, she's played every supporting role. And I think she's at the point of her career where she wants leading roles. So she's going back to the indie route and um, decent television route. So she did a reboot where she was the lead. And I think it's her first major lead role at least that I can remember. I quite enjoyed Reboot as well. Me it was too. weird, but I enjoyed I'm, it. I, I don't a, think it quite worked. It's a shame it, a it got cancelled. And this looks like um, it's um, her first kind of high-profile leading role since Reboot. So hopefully this kind of leads to a, a mm. second part of her career where she gets to be the leading lady rather than the best friend or the enemy or the ex-wife or the, you know, fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh on the call sheet. And I think that's what she wants at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, my last piece of news is uh, the well of box office news. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's favourite news. Uh, and it is that the soft reboot of Transformers, Rise of the Beast, has had a £171 million first week global run. Um, it's been better than projected, particularly in the US. Uh, it is a soft reboot, so Michael Bay is not involved directing it anymore. Uh, and it's... I think Beast Wars. I think is the something like that. It's the, it's the it's the Transformers that turn into animals. Yes, quote unquote. Yes. Instead of just cars and things. Um, not done as well in China as they hoped, but it has been the best film in China this year. Uh, sorry, sorry, the second best film, Western film in China this year. It's made forty million, but they'd hoped for fifty. Um, but it's done very well in other international markets, and it is ahead of Bumblebee um, in the uh, money so far, crucial. which was the last one. Yeah, because Bumblebee was well-liked by film critics and by snooty film snobs like us. I really like Bumblebee. I think it's very good. It stars Hayley Steinfeld, who's going to be one of the stars of the um, one of the movies we're reviewing today. It was a really nice nostalgia piece. It was funny and sweet, and um, but it wasn't really action-packed, mm. and so it didn't kind of do the numbers. Although I think it was low, quite low-budget compared to it. It was. It anywhere near as much CGI explosions. It, yeah, it, it certainly was. And I think with this one, they're trying to find a middle ground. They're trying mm. to get the critical they've praise. They've back to more like B-list stars, yeah. things, haven't they? They've not gone like... Because obviously the last couple, they had Mark Wahlberg Mark and Wahlberg stuff. and Shia LaBeouf. And, and so, Shia, obviously, they built Well, he, was, yeah, uh, he was a young kind of a rising star at the time, but they kind of made him the star. Uh, so I think they're trying to find a middle ground, have a be a more action-packed like the, the Michael Bay films, but with the, the heart and soul of Bumblebee. And I think... It has got better reviews than the last few. It's got slightly better reviews than the mainline Transformers films, mm, but not, but not as good as uh, Bumblebee, which was very well-liked. And it's kind of fallen a bit between two two stools. I can't imagine it lingering in the box office for long. I think no, it's going to be quite forgotten, especially as Spider-Man has been beat it on, in America on its Saturday and Sunday. I think Bumblebee had quite good legs for a Transformers yeah, movie. Yeah, because people realised too late mm-hmm. that this it's is actually a, decent. quite a good film. Um, so I think, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it ends at the end of that. And obviously, again, being bigger and brasher, I'm yes. sure it probably cost quite a lot more than Bumblebee cost to make. So will it have and made I think, And I've seen a lot more marketing for it too. Yeah, I think it's going to flare out a bit though, because um, like I said, uh, on it beats uh, Spider-Man on, on Friday, of course, because it's a new film and mm. it has the Thursday previews. But on Saturday and Sunday, Spider-Man overtook it. And I wouldn't be surprised if next week Spider-Man slipped up mm. and Transformers slipped down and whatever else that's new will be the new number one. Yeah, we shall see. Be very interesting to see. Anyway, that cl- concludes the news. It does indeed. And speaking of Spider-Man, what is our first film we're well, reviewing Our this week? first film is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Uh, should I take this one? Go for it. Okay, so Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse takes place one year after the events of Into the Spider-Verse, where Miles Morales and the various spider people that were in the plot, he sent them all home, back through the Collider, he beat King uh, Kingpin, the day is saved, and now he's his world's Brooklyn's only Spider-Man. So this film starts with um, Gwen Stacy, who was the friend that he, or one of the friends that he made in... One the, of the spider people. One of the spider people, and the one that he has a, a major crush on. And it's a prologue. It starts, it shows her backstory. It shows how she came to be, and it shows the significantly the death that made her the spider person that she is in a way that Uncle Ben and in the previous Spider-Man film, uh, Miles' uncle, 
who was the villain in the pre- one of the villains in the previous film, kind of made him who he is. And that is the kind of uh, inciting incident. And then she gets a report of something happening at a, at a museum, and she realizes that a, another universe's spider villain, in this case the vulture, has snuck through, and things are starting to go a bit weird. And it's then when we're introduced to the kind of main antagonist, protagonist, somewhere in between, uh, a guy called Miguel O'Hara, as a, kind of a futuristic, I think he's called Spider Man 2099. And um he is the leader of a spider society whose job it is is to make sure all these anomalies going on across the various spider verses are fixed and put a stop to and well, universes you mean. yes universes all the various universes that are going on any anomalies that slip through he's the one and his crew are the one that stops it it's then when we're re- reintroduced to miles morales he's spinning his wheels a bit he's kind of starting to flake out at school his parents are getting worried and it's then when gwen comes back and says to miles look let's let's have a bit of fun but she's got ulterior motives because a new villain is causing a threat to the various universes introducing the spot the villain played by jason schwartzman and i think i'll leave it there because um what is the spot is he going to be a big threat or is he a silly villain? Because it sets him up as a silly villain at first, but is he more? giving away with that turn of phrase. With that turn of phrase. Is he? A, yeah, exactly. Um, Rob, if you want to trim around that, you can, but I'm just going to go ahead. Uh, so, Johnny, what did you think of Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse? Yeah, it was all right. <laughs> now, cards on the table. Um, I really, really liked it. Um, I liked the first one as well, so Into the Spider-Verse, as it was called. Um but I actually think this really raises the things that that did well. Um, they've obviously got a bigger animation budget and they've used it very wisely. They've brought a lot of really interesting artists in. There's some absolutely beautiful scenes. The last one had a really good soundtrack and this one I think has taken that to another level. The soundtrack is amazing. Um, Metro Boom, uh, Metro Booming, sorry, did it. Uh, and he is a yeah, good producer. Um, and then uh, Daniel Pemberton has done the actual score for the film as well, which is excellent and really works for all the scenes. Um, I think it's brought the storyline on another level. Um, I, I'm being very careful not to divulge anything from the storyline because I think I didn't... I purposely hadn't seen anything really apart from the trailer. Um, and I think it was before the better for it, although the the ending is quite shocking and ballsy. I'm going to put that a little bit out yes, there. Yes, I, I think that's fair. Um it, I don't. I can't really fault it. <laughs> <It's not laughs> yeah. Like it, it, the storyline is pretty damn perfect for what it is. It's it's basic, but it it, it works really well. And it's the core storyline's basic, but it's the interwoven emotional storylines and character development of actually Gwen and Miles and also um, Peter Park, uh, Peter B. Parker. Yes. Um, storyline as well and actually their emotional development although a lot of Peters at this stage has happened off screen um, so yeah it, 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 that is excellent um, yeah I can't really as I say I know, I the know. soundtrack's perfect the voice acting's perfect it's a great storyline it's incredibly well emotionally done and more, most importantly of all, it is fucking beautiful. It is. Uh, visually and story-wise. Uh, yes, no, I, actually, yeah, pretty perfect. Um, pretty darn perfect. And, yeah, it, it looks amazing. It it, it it goes into different animation styles. Mm-hmm. Um, as you were saying there, the, the story being fairly basic, but it working, I think this is a point I want to bring up because I've heard this complaint from a few people. It's the only point of contention where people seem to be kind of niggling and i think it happens a lot when a film is so well praised that you start to see some of the contrarians come out and you start to see some people who start to say things like with gravity oh it looks great but it's no story as if that's the only thing it's such a limited view of how storytelling works like uh, simple equals bad which isn't necessarily the case and i think in this episode i'm going to be referring a lot to other people 
for both reviews because I belong to a forum called Cooked and Bombed, which is about a um, you know um, old school comedy fans, a lot of Chris Morris fans, um, a lot of sad old gits. They'll know what I mean by that because they are sad old gits and they like making fun of the fact that they're sad and old. But um, someone made a very good point because on that forum, some people were niggling about the story, saying it looks beautiful, but and someone made a point. And that I agree with, so I'm just going to read it uh, verbatim, where he said, yeah, this is about the cinematic experience and the characters and their relationships to each other and themselves. The plot is just a vehicle for that. I don't know how you can say all the parallels between being a parent and letting go versus protecting your children, which is articulated by both Miles' uh, parents and Gwen's parents, uh, uh, Gwen's father, in a very beautiful way. Being a child and wanting to be your own person while still living up to your parents' expectations expectations and being a superhero and doing what you think is right versus some sort of destiny or canon and find all that boring the revelation about things that happen in the first film and their repercussions going forwards were really interesting as well and i think that person from cooks and bombs kind of articulated it beautifully the story for all these films is just a vehicle and whenever mm. you get a, someone complaining about mad max fury road they drive one way and then they drive back like how can you talk about a story and not talk about theme? How can you mm -hmm. talk about a story and not talk about character? And I think, yes, the story is simple, but it's a vessel for complex emotions, for complex themes. It follows a lot of the same beats as the best live-action Spider-Man, 2004 Spider-Man 2, which follows a lot of the same storylines about um, destiny and responsibility, about being your own person, about, you know, you could easily let all this stuff go and just be happier which both Miles and Peter in that film could do. They could both just be happy if they just stopped being Spider-Man, but about being your own person and finding your own path. It's very intelligently told. It's very complex and complex in a way that a lot of these movies don't do. It's mm -hmm. very complex in a way that it feels very human, a very human film. And I think that's the thing that I like. So I also like that it's a sequel that doesn't do the things where a lot of sequels just have um, the greatest hits. Mm -hmm. So, for example, um, it's, this isn't a particular spoiler because even in the trailer, he's not shown off very much. Uh, Peter B. Parker, who was the second lead in the first film, is not as present in this film because presumably they're teasing him for later, but also because in this part of the story, his story isn't the one that you're focusing on, but there is more story there to be unearthed. And that's very intelligent writing where mm. you pick and wait and wait and choose your moments to bring out your characters and what they're going to do because that's just kind of more true to life. It's more human rather than go, oh, well, we've got to get Peter B. Parker's being the second lead because he was the second lead last time. And bloody hell, Jake Johnson's on a contract and he's not going to earn that money if he's only in the booth for half the time, you know, which other films would do. Like, oh, God, we've got this person on the contract. Better give him something to do, I guess. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it really runs. I think it's brave. I think it's a film that... I think the first one, obviously, did a, did a lot for superhero movies when everything else was becoming quite cookie-cutter. It zagged and went in a different way. And, it, you know, it is out there in the sense that there is a whole other Spider-Man that makes a lot of money for a lot of people going on, and they went and did something very different, yes. and, it was, and it was very successful. And I think it's really emboldened them to do that, to be able to take the difficult choices, to do the more difficult things. I don't think it's a secret. It's part, for most people, it's going to be part of a trilogy. Um, and the first one, I think, was designed that it could be a standalone film if it wasn't successful, it would still work. Whereas this is now building on the first one and obviously going towards something else. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, and I think it is doing that very well. Again, I don't want to give the ending away too much. Um, but I, yeah, I think that's uh, anyone who's seen any news about film and probably listened to a film podcast probably realizes it's going to be part we, of the We can say that it's ballsy, though, the, the end. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And for some people, <laughs> that has also been a point of contention, along with the simple story line. I think those people, though, are idiots. <laughs> we can run them out on a rail. Back in my day, we tie people like that to a railroad track and leave them. Yeah, I kind of think that. Um, I think when you think about the bigger picture, I think what they did is genius. Yes, no, I, really I absolutely works. agree. Um, like, I get it. And again, this is really like dancing around, not it giving is. the ending away. I think so. I get people... why you would, because one, it did go through my head at one point, like, oh, okay. 
Um, but it, it makes so much sense and it, and it lets them tell the story they want to tell. I think a lot of people are, even if they're smart people, they don't actually know how cinema works. Or storytelling works. Or how storytelling works. So they view cinema as being transactional. Mm-hmm. I paid my ticket. I paid my however much and for popcorn and for this and for that. Now you deliver me exactly what I want or I'm going to review bomb you, mister. And that, but that's... You know, that's people that don't understand art. Like yeah. sometimes people pay a lot of money for art and don't really like it or get it or whatever. Yes. And that's that's part of the game. That that's gravity. It's about she's in space and then that happens. That Mad Max, they drive one way and they they, they come back. <sighs> Beyond me. You know, Chris Nolan, he's such a genius because the in it's got lots of things going on, yeah, doesn't I mean, it? So confusing, no one can understand it. It doesn't actually make sense. Perfect. Genius. I love genius. it. What a genius. Anyway, anyway, we won't go into Chris. Yeah, let's not do that again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think someone could start making a bingo for our our podcast. We we can uh, give him a break. I think Chris Nolan rant, Marvel rant, tick tick. We've done both those today. Buy that for a dollar. Dot brain videos reference. Speaking of which, speaking of which, we've also got a guest to review. And he's going to he's going to do that, and then we'll come back after the advert breaks. I think I've got nothing more to say. I've got nothing more to say. Over to you, Dog Brain. So right off the bat, it were a good experience at the cinema, but uh, when I got in there, I was a bit annoyed because they gave, they'd they run out of the large popcorns and they only had mediums. And when I got a Coke, it came in the little glass bottle, you know, the ones, not the big, big ones that you can fill up at the machines. Like, it were a little glass bottle, were a bit rubbish. I like it when you can go up to those machines and there's like orange coke on it, lime coke, lemon, whatever you want. Even raspberry coke, which is a mad one. Anyway, they didn't have that. They just had like little ones. So that were a bit disappointing. I like to film the books at the cinema. I maybe get a bit of pick and mix and like have the salt and sweet popcorn mix together with the big giant combos and maybe a novelty coke. Anyway, the man sitting next to me smelt a cheese and it, it were a bit cold. The, the air con was like, it all right above me and I, I'd only had a little t-shirt on so I could feel the ears on me arm moving throughout the whole film and it's quite a long film. Anyway, yeah, the, I forgot about the film. So it was a good one. There, there were spiders in it, spidery people. I, I A bit too many for my liking. I, I liked in the first one, there were just some of them, but in this one, there's, there's a bit too much of them, I reckon. Running about and going thwip thwip. Too many thwips in my ears. But the sound design were great. The thwipping sounded better than ever. Great songs, great graphics and that. Like, real good graphics. A, a sensory overload. But there were a bit too many spider people in this one for me liking. Actually, I've already said that. I know, I started the recording again. Anyway, when I got back to my car, there were a spider on my dashboard. A money spider. So I smashed it and then made a wish. And that's me review of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse 2. Anyway, it's now time for an ad break. And I whatever they're selling, you're buying. And just remember this. If you're feeling down and you're feeling miserable, maybe things aren't going well at work and you're feeling a little bit mentally insecure, just remember... Oh, just hold it all inside because what you don't want to do is go around telling people because then they're going to judge you. So just keep it all bottled in and just you'll be fine in the end. No questions asked. Anyway, see you later. Buy what they're selling and I'll certainly pay a dollar for that. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. 
Thanks very much, Dog Brain. And also, I hope you buy those things for a dollar. Hey, hey. I've taken your line. You son of a gun. Um, welcome back. I don't think in this episode, although it's in the title, so people will know, um, but I don't think in this episode we've actually said what we're going to review as our second movie. Or, or why they're matching. We are reviewing Scott Pilgrim versus The World by Edgar Wright, which came out, I want to say, 2010? Yep, it did. Um, so it is 13 years old now. Uh, there's a few reasons. Uh, the, kind of visually and kind of getting things that look like comic books on screen. This was almost like the first one that did comic book to make it look like a comic book. Obviously, you could argue Tim Burton's early ones were like all jaggledy and higgledy-piggledy, but they didn't feel, it wasn't like, it didn't have like pow written on the screen and stuff. Um, And also, there's a thematic link with Jason Schwartzman being the bad guy in both, um, which is in, you know, is is one thing and having his kind of slimy character. But anyway, let's put that aside and I will tell you a bit of a synopsis about Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Scott Pilgrim is in a band called Sex Bob-omb, um, and he is telling his bandmates at the start of the film that he is dating a young lady called Knives Chow, who is a high schooler. I think Scott's about 21, 22. She's like 17, 18. Bit creepy. Just going to put that out there. Um, and all his bandmates think that as well. Uh, anyway, uh, he very quickly then in his dreams sees this girl with colourful hair skating through his his dreams at night and kind of goes, I like a bit of this this girl, and quickly um, realises that she's actually real and she's just using a subspace highway through his brain, which apparently Canadians don't know about, but Americans do because she's American. And she finds out, he finds out this girl is called Ramona Flowers. And the but then he also finds out that if he wants to date Ramona Flowers, he has to fight her seven evil ex is. Not I was going to say ex-boyfriends then, but a very important plot point. is seven, Her seven evil exes. That's basically the storyline. What do you think of the film, Callum? Well, this film has had a special relationship, I think, for both of us because it came out, you know, we were 20 when we saw it. So we were exactly the age, or pretty much the exact age as the main characters. We were into the same sort of geeky things as they music. are. And the music and the sort of uh, that kind of garage rock band sort of aesthetic. We, you know, we all had long hair. All our friends had long hair and were in bands. I'd also read the comic as well. And read the comic. And so this film has had, the longer it's gone on, it's had a, a changing relationship for me because... Um, when I first saw it, I thought it was just like the best thing since sliced bread. It's like everything about it was amazing. I love, already was on the Edgar Wright, Wright train. Um, visuals, amazing. Fight scenes, amazing. The editing, perfect. You know, it's, it's so tight in how it's, it's done. There has been one thing to sour over the years, and I'm not sure if it's going to be the same thing for you. And again, I said I was going to bring in a lot of uh, outside references. I won't be reading this, but I I have two experiences of people. So my friend uh, Caitlin from Canada, who, um, you know, uh, loved the... She gives um, uh, film ratings out of five rather than out of ten. And she gives something like 15 five-star ratings ever in her life. She's a very tough rater. That's a bit of an exaggeration, but not really. So for her to give this Scott Pilgrim back in the day four stars, it was like, oh my God, best thing ever. But recently on a um, rewatch, she docked a point because what she couldn't stand was the character of Scott Pilgrim or the performance by Michael Cera. And I tried to show it to a girlfriend and... At the time, she she kind of came up with the same conclusion. Fight scenes, editing, visuals, amazing. There's a sour pill in the middle, and that's Scott Pilgrim. The problem is, it's not that he's a, he's a terrible person. He treats both of these young ladies, Naives Chow and Ramona Flowers, horribly throughout the film, which wouldn't be bad in itself, like um, uh, an 80s teen movie uh, written, directed by Cameron Crowe, say anything, you're bringing it back to Cameron Crowe again. That also is about a guy who treats the women in his life horribly, including the uh, central relationship of the film. But that film makes a point of putting him through a journey where he learns and redeems himself and learns and redeems himself and learns and learns and learns. And by the end of the film, he's a respectable person. This film, it attempts it but only far too late far 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 too late is um scott pilgrim's story redeemed like he learns a lesson like 20 minutes from the end and that 
really the lesson that he learns is, I shouldn't have cheated on both of you at the same time, but what about treating them both like shit, Scott? I'm not going to talk about that. Which would be, and again, that would be slightly offsetted if it was a different actor playing him. Because Michael Cera, he commits to the fight scenes, uh, to the music. Uh, he's clearly playing bass for real in the band scenes. But he's too cutesy. And it actually, if anything, it accentuates the nastiness, nastiness, nastiness rather than uh, dampens it or, or kind of puts it in context. And, you know, like I said, if this film came out in the late 80s, you'd have John Cusack or a young Robert Downey Jr. playing the role, who were people who could do sympathetic but also really nasty teenagers. Jason Schwartzman plays the villain in this film. If this film was made in the late 90s, Jason Schwartzman would have been a perfect Scott Pilgrim because he can do both dweeby and pathetic but also really nasty. Michael Cera is far too sweet in the way he plays it, and it should have been someone like Jesse Eisenberg or, or whoever, you know, a nastier, maybe... Um, uh, I forget. Oh, gosh, I forget. Uh, Anton, Yel- uh, uh, Anton Yelchin um, would have been a good one from the um, Star Trek movies before he died. Uh, nasty and sweet. That kind of that balance. Kieran Culkin could yeah, have been Culkin. good as He could have Although absolutely. He's, good, he knows he's very this, good. So. And the whole rest of the cast are incredible. They're, they're like future character actors. Kieran Culkin, two Emmy nominations. You've got two MCU stars in there. You've got an Oscar winner. And even those who haven't won Oscars and stuff and Emmys and what have you are still a, an excellent ensemble of character of character character actors to be like they're not yet but they will be after this film Mark Webber Alison Pill Mae Whitman you know fantastic ensemble it's, it's just a black hole in the middle of the Scott Pilgrim character being so nasty and the film not really not doing anything to kind of punish him for it or to make him learn from it which I understand I haven't read the comics actually I understand that the comics do a lot better job of over the six comics. And I know that they have to compress it into a two-hour movie, which is the problem. So, yeah, actually, that is... And I've had this problem with it since day one, so I have read the comics. I've read the comics two or three times and really enjoy them. And it's kind of a twofold problem, and you've hit the nail on the head there. The casting of Michael Cera is wrong. And fair play to the boy. He does an amazing job with the action stuff, and he really really goes in on it. But he, the problem is, so Scott Pilgrim's as a character in the start of the comics is incredibly narcissistic, lazy, young boy. And by the end of it, he's become a young man, I would say. You know, and it kind of, it follows, and it's spread over quite a long period of time. I think it's over like six months or a year. So there's there's more space for development. You get more of the backstory, so you get more about why he's a bit like he is and why he's, um, you know, a bit more layers to that. You get, and I just think, yeah, like you say, Michael Sarah, where he's quite cutesy, he does something like not very nice and horrible that you're meant to go. That's not very nice and very horrible. But it's like, oh, it's Michael Sarah though. You you know you can't you can't be mad at him. And it kind of like it, it really is. He's a bit wet. It's the same as that. Like, the same issue I always have with the with the recent Great Gatsby, in that um, Nick Carraway is so horribly cast that it ruins the whole movie. That if you're that kind of central moral linchpin. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the issue with it. I think, you know, he is, and he's not great in the comics, certainly early in them, and he's not great to Ramona. And obviously having two relationships running at once and one of them being quite a few years younger than him and stuff is, is all very questionable. But he does get better at that, and it is shown that he there are reasons he's he's off in his head and stuff. And I think the problem is... And, and the other thing, there's more development with the other characters. So Knives gets quite a nice ending in the comics and um, Ramona isn't perfect in the comics and sometimes she's the antagonist and she's the problem. And I don't think that's shown... I think that's the problem is because they've had to condense it to an hour and a half, it would have been better as like a, a six-hour-long miniseries each hour being one of the comics or, or something... Um, and they, but they, they've cut so much of the the kind of the other characters' development, the development of Scott, the that the, actually a lot of the other characters come off as very one note as well. Whereas like Wallace is a lot more developed and is a lot more involved and doesn't just. It it seems like everyone in this kind of hates Scott, and I think what what comes across in the comics is everyone's fed up with Scott's shit, 
but they like him. They know he's a good guy at his core. And I don't think that comes across properly in the movie. And that is the biggest problem. Having said that, I just fucking love everything else about the movie so much. I love the soundtrack. I love the fight scenes. Like, some, like if the fight scenes in the MCU are a tenth as good as that, it would be a much oh, better oh, they, they hired uh, Jackie Chan's um, <laughs> stunt guy. So they're orchestrated by the same guy. Mm. So, you know, that level of commitment. The visuals, the sets, the way the sets are all done. Everyone else is... Per- they've picked the... They've, okay, the, the writing for the characters is a bit one note, but they've picked the perfect yeah. actors for everyone else. Literally, like, you, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, perfect. Um, uh, all of the exes, perfect. Like, and again, she say there's an Oscar winner and two... Um, uh, and, and two, two future, two future MCU, MCU people. Stars. Yeah, one of whom... One of whom is the Oscar winner. Yeah, Brie, oh, yeah, Brie Larson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and I was, I, and I'm thinking. Well, I'm thinking three Marvel stars because you've also got. Oh no, uh, DC. Sorry, because you've also got Superman. Oh yes, of course. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, uh, as well as yeah, a quite you know a host of other people like that were up and coming like Orbi Plaza and um, oh, what's her name? Cups. Oh, Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick, uh, and things. So you, you know, such a, such a like a set of future stars there. Yeah, that ensemble is one of the best assembled in a long time. And the thing is, if it was a different character, Michael Sarah would have probably been right for it. And they they needed to do one of two things. They needed to write the character of Scott as being slightly less of a slime ball, unless they were going to commit and put a slimy actor in there, yeah. or they needed to have a different actor, and they could have gone either way with it. Because Michael Sarah, in, in every other way, is very good for that film. Yes, he, he's fully committed. He's just wrong for the lines that come out of his mouth. He's just the wrong person. Which is ironic, because actually he can do slimy a little bit. Because especially like in when he's playing himself, like the real him... He, he, he's done like an ironic version of himself um, in like this The End, the end where he's stuff. nasty. And actually he's become a lot more interesting since... Scott Pilgrim, yeah. he's done a lot more uh, indie cinema and stuff. I think that's it. I think they've just tried to make Scott be too sympathetic when he's not doing sympathetic things. And, and I'm sure that's, you know, it's cut the time pro- is the yeah. issue. And then they don't do anything to sort of, like, if they try to do something to, to redeem that mm. later on, but his arc is, oh, no, I shouldn't have dated two women at the same time. And that's it. Like, mm. nothing about how horribly he treated his bandmates, nothing about how horribly he treated uh, the two women outside of the cheating. Yeah, yeah. But the other thing on top of that is, like, there's the whole bit at the end where he's like, you've earned the power of self-respect and stuff. And I think that is, again, it comes across in the comic, is part of his problem is he doesn't have any self-respect. So he doesn't... If you don't have any self-respect, a lot of people who don't have self-respect don't have respect for other people as well. You just don't have... And I think that's trying to shoehorn stuff from the book in, but without having... It's it's the payoff without having the build-up. Yes, absolutely. There's no point in having the payoff if you don't have the build-up. And there's a few... Yeah, there's a... It's the same thing with the evil exes, because each book is effectively an evil ex. So they actually are more fleshed out. Mm -hmm. So you kind of understand them and their world more and... And the stuff with Gideon is, you hate Gideon more because he doesn't just turn up in the last act and is a bit of a slime ball. Like, he's there the whole way through, slowly increasing more and more into the story. So, yeah. And, and brings me to a point that they're actually doing an animated series yes, now for Netflix. And that could be much better. Um, I've got a feeling... A, it's going to be probably follow the comics quite closely because they did a couple already. They did like, a, I remember when the, I always thought it was a backdoor pilot at the time. When the film came out, they did a storyline about how um, Kim Pine and Scott Pilgrim first met as yes, an animated did. thing. And yeah. it looks great and it was so well done. And I remember that, I'm thinking, oh, can they just make this? Can they just make the comic into this? And I think that will be better. Um, but no, I think, like, I think we've said this before and we've discussed it. I think this film walked so a lot of other films could run like it did all these crazy things and it had this like perfect soundtrack and it really did a good job with the fight scenes and and stuff and it inspired so many other films and i'm sure there is some dna from this in spider oh absolutely i mean any kind of comic comic book adaptation that does all the kind of switching of uh, visual styles Mm -hmm. and and introducing actual trying to be a comic book that this does or a video game or anime is as it kind of it has those kind of um running lines like when uh anime wants to save a bit of money and they'll close up on the face and do those rush lines by their head yeah every time someone runs in this film that's what happens and visually it's perfect it looks amazing and the editing is so tight and it has all those 
Edgar Wright's uh, whipping and mm. whooshing and zooming and you know it's it, everything on a visual and a technical aspect is absolutely perfect. But just unfortunately, the the script is a bit light at times, and, and it's just got a Scott's black characters. hole in the middle of a person. Yeah, that just uh, is just not likable. Yeah, I think it's the problem. I think I remember at the time watching it and thinking, I really just love everything about this movie, but I don't know if I like Scott Pilgrim. And I think that is a flaw when you, you, your film is called Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, versus the world. And even, even when it first came out, that was there. But I think I pushed it to the back of my mind because I just wanted to love everything else about the film. But I think you're right. The more I watch it, the more that becomes self-evident. The older we get, certainly, it, it sort of just brings into focus just what a grotty little boy he is. Yeah. I think the thing is as well, when you're... And I suppose this is where there's a certain level of realism. When you're 20 you aren't quite as, you know, most people aren't quite as well-formed a person as you are when you're yes. 30. And we probably had some kind of even tiny elements of Scott Pilgrim in us. Mm, exactly. We were 20-year-olds who wanted to be, you know, into cool music and have long hair and stuff. You know, we probably saw a bit of ourselves in Scott Pilgrim and thought, yeah, I get him. And ignored the more toxic Yeah, traits. exactly. Ex yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, I think that probably brings the reviews I think to so. a nice little close. So, Callum, out of ten, what is your score for Into the Spider-Verse? Ten. It's <laughs> perfect. I can't stop thinking about it. I want to see it again, but I'm going to hold off because I'm going to go see some family in Durham next week. I might hold off until then. Um, I've, I've been thinking, oh, I'll sneak in another viewing and then I'll watch it a third time in Durham. I, I want to watch it again. But yeah, perfect. <laughs> two two weeks in a row, 10 out of 10. Because I'm tens. also going to give it a 10 out of 10 as well. It's amazing. <laughs> so it's double 10 out of 10 two weeks in a row. OMG. Yeah, no, it is. I've been thinking about the time. I've been listening to the soundtrack a lot. I've been watching clips on the internet. I want to see it again. And this is the thing. I, I, I'm just such a busy person. I'm just so popular, you know. Um, it's not how I'm into sound. Lol. I just do work too much. Um... I and spend my life on buses going to and from work. Um, I, <laughs> uh, I don't often get to the cinema these days, and I made a point last night. I really want to go and see this in the cinema, and I found a slot and I squeezed it in uh, with you and Dog Brain, mm. um, and and I still want to go and see it again. And I'm like, oh, well, I've got a day off, and maybe I'll just go and sneak and see like a 10 a.m. Yeah. showing or something. And in fact, I was looking on, when was I off? I was looking yesterday morning, and maybe, oh, maybe I can see it and stuff. So, yeah, now it is. It, there's so many layers to it, and it's so visually beautiful. And there's, um, I, and I'm sure I've missed some stuff. So I'm quite, I really want to see it again. But it's also one of those ones, there's certain, you know, it's all very good, but there's certain scenes that are just animated in a different style and another level. And I could just keep going and finding clips of those scenes on YouTube and rewatching them and stuff. Like the first intro sequence with Gwen and things. Absolutely stunning. So beautiful. So now, uh, 10 out of 10 from both of us. Yes. And Scott Pilgrim. What are you going to give that? If you asked me in 2010, I probably would have been somewhere between an eight and a nine. Um, you ask me now, I'm going to give it a seven because it's a big problem in the middle of the film. It's a big black hole and technically perfect. Watching uh, the fight scenes and stuff on YouTube. In fact, um, with that girlfriend that I watched it with, she couldn't finish the film. She just hated him so much. She hated it, and she really hated the way that he uh, treated knives. So eventually, I it's said, not, "To be fair, it's not because Ramona's a bit of a pain. She can't. They was pain with each other. They almost, and that's oh, one she of hated things. Ramona. Uh, yeah. I change my hair every week and a half. Um, get used to it. I know of it. I know of it. <laughs> I know of it. I hate that line, but uh, yeah, to knives especially. But no, yeah, knives and, is, um, is inexcusable." And uh, the way we ended up watching it was I just said, okay, well, let's watch the boss scenes. So I just played the Seven Evil X scenes mm. and just kind of that was the film viewing experience. And in a way, I, I kind of, if if you've watched it and you really hate Scott Pilgrim, I'd say, okay, we'll just watch the best scenes on YouTube. And I kind of don't blame people if they want to stop halfway through. So seven out of 10, it is a major problem. It's a black mm. hole. I think I'm going to agree because, yeah, it, it is. And I, it used to be a film, so there's, there's you know, everyone has those kind of, oh, guilty pleasures, not the word, because they're usually good films for me, but, like, you have those films that you just really love and have a little space in your heart. And Scott Pilgrim used to be one of those films, and actually this is probably the first time I've watched it for maybe four years. And I think because the last time I watched it, I was like, it's, it's diminishing returns for me because I just can't get past Scott. 
Um, it's quite interesting. We didn't. We normally quite often we have a little chat about films before, but actually we hadn't chatted about this yeah. one. And we, it's quite interesting that we both kind of fell on <laughs> very hard on the same point. And I think the same. I think if you'd have asked me, um, and you know, I've always thought it's a bit rough on the edges and it flawed. And I've always thought Scott's flawed, but I think because I, I I was ignoring how quite toxic he is at times. Um, I would have probably given it a nine then, but I think I would give it a seven now. It's still worth a watch because you just have to go. He's been played wrong. He's been played wrong. He's been yeah. played wrong. But like the fight scenes are amazing. Visually, it's great. The music's great. Every other actor in it's great. But it'd be quite interesting to see if anyone does a, when they bring this new animated series out. If anyone does like a weird cut where they'll cut the fight scenes from the movie into like the animated one or something. Maybe it'd be fun to see fan <laughs> edits, things like that. So I can't imagine that the fight scene... Um, maybe they will. Yeah, anime, they can do quite well, a bit of fight scenes. The interesting thing is uh, animation is probably the best use for fight scenes because they yeah. can kind of do what they want. Yeah, and you can, I suppose you can go up from from twos to ones and stuff yeah, exactly. like that and things and, yeah. and jump around. But no. Well, in agreement, two weeks in a row, yeah, I, I think, pretty much. <laughs> pretty um, much. Yeah, well, another 10 out of 10. So if you haven't seen Spider-Verse, get to the cinema now. And it, I definitely want to say as well it's worth seeing in the cinema see it on the biggest screen with the best sound system you can uh, unfortunately we the missed it at the IMAX but um, but um, yeah see it at the cinema see it on the big having, screen we haven't talk, didn't even talk about this I mean there's so much to talk about I didn't talk about the sound editing that was one of the things that really stood out for me I could just go on for hours should about we do it. another episode about Spider-Verse yeah, <laughs> we'll go and watch it a second curse. time and we'll do another one anyway thanks very much guys for thank listening thank you and have a wonderful week see ya bye bye up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.